Thank you, Sarah. Well, again, frigid morning. I think we're setting records or something, but uh, you made it. Your pipes hopefully didn't freeze. Uh, there's some folks in the congregation whose pipes have frozen. So, uh, yeah, it's you here. It's a new year. Uh, and, you know, when we start out New Year's, it's classic for us to do New Year's resolutions. Uh, I think it's a good thing uh, to reflect and to look back at the year both the good and the bad, or the struggles. Uh, but today I, I really want to focus on looking ahead and you know, how do we put a plan in place for the year as opposed to just letting things uh, unfold and just happen to us? How do we uh, put some plan in place to direct the year as much as we can? I mean, there's plenty of external things that we have absolutely no control of. But there are plenty of internal things that we do have uh, a control of. So I've got a little video clip here that I want to show you. Uh, you know, if I put my best uh, words and thoughts together, I probably couldn't come up with anything nearly as profound. So I thought I'd just show you this. Yeah, this idea of being renewed, starting again, new life in Jesus. It, uh, I mean, it's really uh, profound. And we are so easily distracted with what we think is important. I, I want to read something that Jesus says, which really catches us by surprise, and it really shows us where our priorities should be or where our focus for this year should be. In, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 16, verse 26, it says this, Jesus talking, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul. Is anything more worth more than your soul? Uh, you know, it's just such an interesting uh, statement that Jesus makes. Is anything more important than your soul? Uh, you, you know, we put a lot of value on a lot of things, but not many people uh, that are not believers particularly, but even believers uh, would sort of, resonate with that statement of Jesus. So just think of it. I mean, Jesus created the whole world. He's saying the most important thing, the thing that you really want to focus on, is your soul. And for us, or average people, would say, your soul? I mean, do we even have a soul? Do I believe that I have a soul? Uh, what is a soul? And yet, let me just read Jesus' word, words again. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? I mean, you know, Jesus is saying we strive at making money, at careers, at all the things that we do. Uh, and Jesus is saying the most important thing is your soul. And we're saying, what? What exactly is a soul? Uh, so I want to talk today about soul care. Uh, how do we take care of our soul? How do we prioritize what Jesus is saying is the most important thing that we should be prioritizing in our life, which is taking care of our soul? I mean, it's just, you know, just that language. If you're not a church person, like taking care of my soul, soul care. I mean, it sounds like some new age thing or some whatever. But this is, you know, Jesus' words. He's saying, take care of your soul. Uh, and so I want to look at that. And, you know, Jesus is uh, amazing when we've looked at the whole 
Christmas build-up. We looked at joy and love and peace. And of course, God is love. And we get profound joy from Jesus. And meaning in life we get and derive from the Lord. Uh, so, yeah, how do we do this? How do we have a life where we are full of hope, where we have peace, where we experience blessing, where we have a sense of direction? You know, how do we do this? Uh, and so I do want to look at soul care. I want to look at how do we come up with an intentional plan for this year so that we can be connected to the Lord. Uh, so saying it in different language, I would say soul care would be developing or maintaining a vibrant relationship with Jesus because Jesus is going to give us uh you know, the, he's going to be the source of our direction. He's going to be the source of our joy. He's going to be the source of meaning. Uh, so if we can connect to Jesus, which is not always so easy. I mean, it, we can say that glibly, but how do we intentionally put effort, take time, pr prioritize our schedules so that we can hear the Lord, so that we can see his activity in our lives, so that we can indeed be encouraged by Jesus? Uh, you know, when people move to New England and we have, and they're from the South, uh, often they don't think about things which are sort of obvious, like who's going to plow your driveway? You know, we've had a number of folks join our church that have come from the South and, you know, they'll buy houses with the most peculiar driveways, you know, it's like this and, and, and you know, us locals will go there and they'll be hosting a life group or something. It's like, how are we going to get up this driveway and, and how are we going to get down this driveway after group? Uh, and then, you know, we have a snowstorm like we just did and uh, they don't have a, nobody connected with a plow contract and they're phoning the office like, you know, anybody in the church who can plow us out? And, you know, we're thinking you've been here for since the summer, you know, haven't you got a plow guy uh, or maybe they, a young person that just heard of that new app, you know, the plow app, uh, just like you don't need a contract, just dial up the app, and if the guy's by, he'll give you a quote and plow. And I'm thinking, yeah, good luck in the middle of a storm. I mean, every plow guy is going flat out, and you want to have that sorted out. You don't want to think about it in the middle of a storm. In a similar way, you don't really want to wait till your life's in a crisis and then try and figure out Jesus. I mean, Jesus is absolutely amazing. If your life isn't a crisis, he's always available, and he's, sometimes that's the only time that we will present ourselves to the Lord and ask for his uh, input. But generally speaking, the Lord uh, desires us to have an uh, intentional plan where we can connect with him. And I, I want to talk about that today. Uh, soul, soul care. How do we take care of our soul? Uh, how do we do this? Uh, so again, you know, the scripture in Matthew uh, 6, sixteen twenty six. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You know, and that's a question we have to really wrestle with honestly with the Lord. Because for many of us, we'd say, yeah, there's lots of things worth more than my soul. You know, my career, my marriage, my kids, you know, whatever. Uh, but the Lord is saying, no, your soul and your connection with the Lord uh, should come first. Now, I want to talk about something which is really, really basic. I don't think I'm going to be saying anything here, which is, you know, wow, what a novel idea, Rob. How did you come up with these ingenious uh, ide you know, ideas of reading scripture, prayer, and worship? You know, this is 
so new. Uh, but let me just say that the, the primary ways that we connect with the Lord, the primary ways that we hear God's voice, the primary way that we get directed by the Lord or experience God's love or experience hope and joy is through the Word of God. And, unf and fortunately for us, is you don't have to be an academic or somebody that reads a whole lot. Uh, the Lord will speak to us whether you read very little or whether you read a lot. Obviously, uh, if you're a reader, you know, that certainly helps. Uh, but if you're not a great reader, doesn't mean that now somehow that you're not, you can't connect with the Lord. So uh, I want to just look at each one of these uh, separately, but I do want to spend a little more time perhaps with Scripture and saying how do we connect, how do we make the Bible meaningful, how do we read the Bible in a way which God speaks to us through the book. You know, the Bible is like no other book. It has this ability that when we read it, God has chosen to use it in a way that it speaks to us. And, you know, for if you're new at this, or even if you're not so new at this, uh, the way this works is it's not like you start hearing an audible voice from the Lord, but it's like what you're reading seems to just be so pertinent to where you're at. And it doesn't necessarily happen every single reading. But if you maintain a discipline of regular reading, and by regular, I'm, I'm talking about daily, or, you know, depending on what your schedule, maybe you know, five days a week, uh, whatever your pattern should be, but daily. Uh, and it's not the volume that you read. It's just that you are in the Bible, that you're reading something. I mean, if you're not reading anything, it's pretty hard for the Lord to use it to speak to you. Uh, so it's not the volume that counts, but it's the fact that you're regularly reading. And what happens is the Lord uses what you're reading. He like highlights things or things seem pertinent or, you know, you just start meditating on that because the Lord is stirring something in you or it confirms something that's already happened. You say, yeah, I resonate with that. And over the course of time, you start recognizing the God, how God, uh, you know, speaks to us through the word. But let me just read or share with you what the Bible says about the Bible. I mean, you know, that's kind of a circular argument, but it's a good argument. I mean, you should at least know what God is saying about the Bible or what the Bible is saying about God or the fact that God is putting emphasis on the Bible. Second uh, Timothy 3.16, the classic verse, says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Okay, just, I mean, just like think about what that is saying. It's saying that by reading scripture, God is going to be teaching us. He's going to be uh, rebuking us. Uh, he's going to be encouraging us. And he's going to be directing us. Uh, you, you know, there's a sense that the the Word of God is living. It's alive. There's a sense that as we uh, come to the Word of God, God will speak to us. And if we look at one of the, you know, the longest psalm, Psalm 119, actually one of my favorite psalms, uh, it's a psalm where when you read this, you get a sense of the psalmist's passion 
for the Word of God. Uh, not only a passion, it's a sense of this sustains him. And after you've read Psalm 119, uh, you know, a few times, it, it's hard not to sort of desire the same as the psalmist's desire, where you say, man, if only the Bible would speak to me the way it's speaking to, to this guy. You know, if only I could get out of the Bible what this guy's getting out of the Bible. But look what's being said here at Psalm 119. And I'm not going to read the whole psalm, otherwise uh, you'll be canceling lunch plans. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search Him with all their hearts. You see, there's this weird combination that joy, real joy, comes as we search and seek the Lord. Obviously, it's not like we just search and search and the Lord doesn't respond. It's like as we search, the Lord responds and it gives us meaning in our lives. In fact, it gives us joy. Verse 25, I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. Here's the psalmist saying, you know what? I'm down and out. I'm, I'm not doing well. I need to be revived. I can't revive myself, but your word will revive me. Revive me by your word. Verse 28, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. You know, here's a psalmist saying, look, I'm going through all sorts of stages in my life. I, I, I passionately believe in God, but I'm still down and out. I'm going through some struggles. And what's going to encourage me is your word. Or let me just say it this way. It's by reading the word and that particular reading is pertinent. And what the, the Lord is saying as you're reading that is what you need to be said, what needs to be said to you to encourage you. It's this stirring of the word coming alive. Verse 37, turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. You know, similar to what the Lord is saying with your soul. What's more important than your soul? You know, turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Verse 41, Lord, give me your unfailing love. We experience God's love through his word. Verse 50, your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. We receive comfort. I mean, that's you know, articulated by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to guide us, direct us, and comfort us. Uh, verse 72, your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. Wow. You know, here's a psalmist saying, you know, money is great, but the instructions of the Lord are just more valuable. You can see a major heart shift here. Here's somebody that's passionate, uh, you know, about the Lord. Verse 105, many of you have this memorized and for good reason. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Uh, you know, just constantly reading the Bible, it's gonna be, you're going to get guidance from the Lord, and it'll be a lamp for your, to guide your path, preventing you taking the wrong decisions, wrong steps. Verse 114. You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Verse 143. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. You know, this is 
a verse which applies to all of us at some time or some point or right now in your life. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. You know, this it takes a certain amount of uh, discipline or having a plan in place that when you're experiencing pressure, uh, that your instinct is to read the Word of God, or you have a plan in place where you are reading the Word of God, so even though you're pressured and you're feeling stressed, and maybe you don't feel like you're at any time, and yet the Word of God is what's comforting you. Uh, and the psalmist is saying it will comfort you. Verse 162, you can be glad I'm not reading each verse, I rejoice in your Word like one who discovers... A great treasure. You know, and that should be our uh, approach when we uh, read the, the Bible. It's like, Lord, what are we discovering here? And when I do discover, when there's something that's pertinent, it, it, we, we see it like this is a great treasure. Like this was worth the time and this was worth the effort. And uh, we expect God to speak to us. And God does. So having said all this, uh, what I'm encouraging you to do for this year is come up with some plan, uh, a custom plan for your own personality, for your own lifestyle of regularly reading the Word of God. Uh, there's going to be times, quite honestly, where you're not going to feel like it. There's going to be times when it feels inconvenient. Uh, there's going to be times when you know, you're pressured to do, forget about it or I'll catch up later. But my encouragement to you is that you just do it regularly and come up with a plan that fits your personality. Uh, if, you're, if you're a reader, read a lot. If you're not a reader, don't read as much. The, the last thing you want to do is have a Bible reading plan where you're always like behind. And it's like, man, I've got to catch up. And now I'm like, you know, a week behind. And next minute I'm a month behind. And next minute it's like, I oh, forget it. You know, I just, I can't keep up with that plan. Uh, if, you, if you get a plan that's suitable uh, for your lifestyle uh, and you stick with it, uh, it'll be very helpful. And I'll suggest a few plans in a moment. But let me just uh, turn from Bible reading to prayer. And of course, uh, we could do a whole weekend series on prayer and we do indeed have a weekend seminar coming up on prayer uh, in the near future and so there's a lot that we could say about prayer all i want to say is this luke 5 15 and 16 vast crowds came to hear jesus preach and to be healed of their diseases but jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer Here's the, here's the thing. Jesus has become like a, a, a rock star. I mean, like the crowds are pressing in. Everybody wants to hear from him. People want to be healed by him. People want to hear him. I mean, he's like super famous and, you know, he can't go anywhere. It's not like he can go eat out and just be left alone or just go for a walk down the street and just like, you know, hang out with your family. No, I mean, it's just like people are just surrounding Jesus all the time. And yet, Jesus says he finds time to get away, go into the wilderness, and pray. And he does this regularly. In other words, the way that Jesus gets his batteries charged, what gives Jesus life, what, how he reconnects with the Father in his human capacity, is to get away and pray. And he does it on a regular basis, despite the urgent, pressing 
uh, needs of people. I mean, it's like if you're a heart surgeon, you know, you can deal with people having heart attacks all the time, but there comes a point where you need to sleep and eat and take care of yourself. Otherwise, you can't take care of others. I mean, you can't just keep going and going and going and going. And yet we do this. And God is saying to us, you can't keep operating that way. You need to back up on a somewhat regular basis, and you define regular, uh, and connect with Jesus in prayer. And again, do it in a way and in a format that's life-giving to you. Not obligate, you know, if it's obligation-driven, you're dead. You're dead in the water. It needs to be in a way which gives you life. So, you know, think about what would be fun for you. I mean, if you're a people person, you might want to pray in a group. Uh, if you get life more by being in nature, get away in nature. Take a time out. Uh, you know, do whatever it takes to give yourself energy, to give yourself life, to be connected to the Lord. Uh, and don't allow pressure or busyness to stop you from reading the Word or praying to the Lord. And I would also say, you know, we think it's a great asset being able to multitask. But multitasking has its limitations. You know, honestly, it's hard to drive your car and listen to the Word of God. Now, I know you can plug it in, and I know you can listen to your CD, but sooner or later, it's just blah, 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 and you know, you fighting traffic and whatever. Now, if you're out in the country road and it's really peaceful and you're listening to what's being said, great, you're connecting. Similarly with prayer, if you're saying, okay, my prayer life is going to be as I go to work, you know, and I'm driving through, uh, you know, the rush hour traffic, probably not going to work that great for you. I mean, you know, if it does work, great, awesome, then good for you. Uh, maybe that's the only time that you do have. But I am saying it's sometimes helpful to do something a little bit more strategic. Uh, maybe you find that walking and talking to the Lord is helpful. Uh, uh, maybe you need to get out. Uh, maybe you need to have a dedicated place in your house where you can sit and pray. Uh, find something. I mean, you know, John Wesley's mom, Susanna Wesley, she had like all these kids and just super busy. And her prayer life considered, consisted of this. She'd say, okay, when I put the apron over my head, no kid can disturb me because I'm in prayer time with the Lord. And I mean, she had a big family, super active, and she's like, put an apron over her. It's like, that's it. okay, I don't know how long she spent with the apron over her head, but like her kids knew, don't interfere with mom. That's her prayer time. So that worked for her. I mean, figure out something that works for you. In a similar way, uh, worship is part of what uh, I think God is expecting from us, but it's also part of what we need as a release from ourselves. Uh, there's something that happens in worship which is pleasing both to the Lord and to our soul. Uh, there's something that in worship we can't express ourselves in any other way. And God has kind of made us that way, that we would uh, sing or we'd listen to worship music and we resonate with what's being said and it stirs our soul uh, and we focus our energy on the Lord. Uh, you know, the Lord is the only being that rightfully should be praised. Uh, we like to receive praise and we like to be congratulated and lifted up and at certain points, that's, that's good. But, you know, we, don't, we shouldn't be narcissistic. I mean, it's, it's the Lord which is saying he, he wants praise 
and he deserves praise, and we delight in praising him. And when we do that, there's something which good that happens to us as we express and release our praises to the Lord. So again, you know, your, your style of music might be 180 degrees different to mine. The style is not the issue. The issue is, is your heart connecting with the Lord and finding some way of doing that. I mean, it might be playing a musical instrument. It might be listening to worship music. It might be listening to hymns. I mean, whatever it is that works for you, I would say do it. You know, that's the form of worship, singing. And when I'm saying worship, our lifestyle of worship, but singing uh, as, as a form of worship. And again, there's just so many psalms. If you're working through the psalms, there's just so many psalms that uh, encourage us to actually sing to the Lord. So I would say somehow or other in your planning this year, uh, be intentional about worship and singing to the Lord. So if you reflect back on your last year uh, and you think, well, how did you do? And uh, some of you are good at setting plans and, and being intentional about it and others aren't. Uh, but if you look back, it's a good starting point to say, okay, what should you set up for this year? In other words, if you were unable to regularly read your Bible, then I would suggest that this year start, you know, small, get into the habit of, of reading, not huge amounts, just like get into it. On the other hand, if last year was just a great year for you and you were able to uh, do whatever plan that you set up and you've, you've, you, you worked your way through that, then maybe either stay with that pace or step it up a notch, you know, take on more. Uh, I don't know how many of you uh, use a Bible reading plan. Last year, I suggested a Bible reading plan. The year before, I suggested a Bible reading plan. Uh, and they work for me. You know, that's why I keep suggesting them for you. Uh, the secret, of course, is to try and find one which is one that you personally want to do. Uh, but look back on the year and see how did you do to adjust the plan that you're going to make for this year. Uh, one of the things that we suggested last year was a Bible devotional reading by Henry Blackaby. Uh, how many of you found that really helpful? You know, like that Blackaby's book, uh, yeah, you know, a bunch of you really got a lot out of it. You know, just regularly reading and that book was set up so that it doesn't matter if you miss a week or a month. You just pick it up. Okay, today is January the 7th. And you read January the 7th. It's a standalone scripture verse and a, uh, a devotion that goes with it. Super helpful. Uh, so I'd encourage you to do that. Now, we have a whole bunch of different plans. And uh, I want to look at uh, some plans uh, and suggest some ideas to you. But uh, before I do that, I also say that this is good for teenagers and it's good for kids. Meaning this, uh, as parents, our responsibility is to raise our kids in the Lord and primarily when they're young, starting out when they're young. Uh, being interested in your kid's soul or your kid's spiritual walk starts from the day they're born. And, you know, just being here today at church, you've taken a great step in the right direction. Many of you are just regular church attenders. In fact, the fact that you're here today in such cold weather is an indication that, you, you know, you're just like 
high achievers. I mean, you guys are just like way ahead of the average. So, you know, well done. Uh, and if you're bringing your kids to children's ministry, uh, your kids are off to a great start. I mean, we're going to be teaching them about the Bible. We're going to teach them about morality. We're going to teach them the great stories in the Bible. And there's an intentional plan in our children and in our youth that we will go through, uh, say, in children's ministry, all the major stories in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. So if your kids are in this children's ministry program for their uh, duration as children, they're going to cover really all the big themes and all the big stories in the Bible by the time they become teenagers. But having said that, uh, I think it's also super helpful to have an intentional uh, Bible reading plan for your kids. Now, obviously, if your kids are young, that's you reading to your kids. Uh, we can only do so much on a Sunday morning uh, raising your kids in the Lord. We cannot possibly uh, spend as much time as you should with your kids. So, you know, let's just say you're new to faith. You, you got a, you got a you know, young kid. How do you go about doing this? Well, let's say start off by bringing them to church regularly. Let them have regular contact with children's ministry program and with friends. And that's like super huge. Secondly, as a parent, you want to read the Bible stories to them. And I'll point out some of the plans that we have to help you to know what that would be. Uh, thirdly, I would suggest that you pray with your, with your child, particularly when your child has something difficult and ask your child, like, could they pray to God? Could they ask Jesus for help? In other words, you know, let your own child develop the idea of asking Jesus for help with whatever it is that they're dealing with. And then, you know, if the Lord happens to help you later on and you notice that the Lord answered that prayer it's a really good idea to encourage your child and say, look, that's what we prayed. Remember, we did this together. And look, it seems like the Lord has answered this prayer because that would be normal faith, normal uh, developing our relationship with the, with the Lord. Now, if you're starting with teenagers, it's a whole different kettle, kettle of fish. I mean, it's just really difficult uh, if you're joining this church, you've just come to faith in Jesus, and now you're bringing your teenagers to church. I mean, if you can achieve that, well, well done. You've got a good relationship with your, with your kids. And I just encourage you to obviously bring, bring your teenagers. But you know as well as I do that your teenagers, because they're teenagers, are much more influenced by their friends than what they are about what you're telling them to do. So what I'm suggesting is this. Uh, if your kids are new to faith, or you they haven't been exposed to faith, you're going to obviously try as a parent to bring them to church, uh, to get them reading the Bible, but it wouldn't be unrealistic to expect them not to do it, because you're the parent, and at that age, they're just like, whatever you say, they do the opposite. The secret is this. You find a friend who is somebody that's in the faith that they do like, and you try as hard as possible to just pair them with your friend. I mean, friends for teenagers become everything. I mean, they influence them, and you can either choose good friends or bad friends. Do everything you can, possibly, to just, like, choose good friends. Choose godly friends. Choose friends that are, like, you know, walking the walk. And as a parent, if you can just encourage your teenagers, 
you're doing fabulous. And sorry uh, if you've got some teenagers here today. Uh, now you know what your parents' strategy is for your life. Uh, let me just uh, show you some of the plans I got out on the, uh, on the, the table. So for those of you, let me just start with, for those of you that are great readers, here's a plan. You can see it's got all the check boxes. It's made for people that are just like, you know, like me, uh, like Excel, like check boxes, like to know exactly where you are in life. Got a plan. But this one's kind of nice. Uh, and every, every year I, I choose a different plan. Uh, just, you know. This one's kind of nice. It's 52 weeks of Bible reading plan. And it breaks the Bible up into the different uh, categories that the Bible is broken up into. Meaning the epistles, the law, history, psalms, poetry, prophecy, and the gospels. And each day you're reading a different genre of scripture. So in this particular plan, on a Monday you read the epistle. Uh, on Tuesday, you read the law, Wednesday, history, and it, there you go. So in this particular plan, you start Romans chapter 1 and 2 on, on Monday and work your way through it. Now, it'll get you through the whole Bible for the year. Now, if, if you're a reader, that's great. And if you've been successful in Bible reading last year, I'd say go to it. But I really want to speak to those that are not successful or keep dropping the Bible or uh, are battling to get into it because those that are successful know how to do it and uh, got their plan. But uh, here's a, a good plan. This one's titled A Tour of the Bible. It's a 90-day reading plan uh, to give you an overview of the Bible. And so this does not go through the whole Bible, but it goes through the big stories of the Bible or the big themes of the Bible. So you read uh, the universe is created, Genesis 1 and 2, Adam, Eve, and uh, a slimy serpent, uh, Genesis 3 and 4. And then it jumps, uh, Genesis 5, it goes to 6 through 9, Noah and the flood, and then again, just jumps down to, uh, in this case, into Job, and then to Abraham, and it leaves out a lot of the detail in between. But in 90 days, you get through the whole Bible, main themes. That's it. Not all the details. And you've got a plan where you can uh, go and follow with that. Uh, you know, and if you're doing that plan, the idea is you just cross off day three, day four, day five. You're not correlating to the calendar. But another plan, uh, this is a good one, uh, reading plan, 30 days in the Psalms. And you say, you know, I'm going to just spend 30 days in the Psalms. And what this plan does is it's organized the Psalms into different uh, headings, into different categories. It's actually a good uh, sheet to have just in your Bible. Like you say, you know, I want to read a Psalm that's going to help me figure out mercy or figure out uh, the power of God or figure out safety in God and then You'd read, say, in safety of God, read Psalm 11, 16, 142, and 46. Those all cover that topic. But in this way, you've got 30 days in the Psalms. So you might say, you know, I just want to get going. I want to read the Psalms. I want to see if I can do 30 days in the Psalms. And you might find that 30 days takes you 60 days. So what? Just be consistent. Just stay at it. Just be regular. You're not racing anybody. Uh, on the other hand, you might start reading the Psalms and you're just like, okay, I want to read ahead a bit. Well, do that. Read ahead. Uh, you can always cross off two days in one. You can just be a great overachiever and you can you know, just feel good about yourself. 
How about for the kids? Uh, here's a, a program for the kids, the Bible in 90 days. Uh, and this is what you would read to, the, to your kids. And uh, again, 90 days, targeted kids between the age of 6 and 10. And, you know, say day 22, you're reading Joshua chapter 6, and you're reading about Jericho. Uh, on the next day, 23, you're reading Joshua chapter 10. Skips, you know, four chapters. Uh, and you're reading about how the, the sun stands still in that particular story. And then the next day you're reading about Gideon. You know, so you're jumping ahead, you're hitting all the big themes, and you're able uh, to connect with your kids at a level that they're going to understand and connect with. Now, these are all out on the back table. Uh, you can help yourself, take all of them, one of them, figure out which one you want. Uh, you can obviously uh, Google your own uh, thoughts about Bible reading plans. There's plenty out there. Uh, and Tracy, if we run out of uh, certain plans, you can just photocopy some for folks. I don't know which one would be pertinent for everybody. But find a plan. That's the point. Uh, let me just put this in context, however, what Jesus said right at the beginning. And I'll close with that. Uh, in context, uh, Jesus is talking in Matthew uh, chapter uh, 16. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you, of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. You know, this is like such direct talk from the Lord. And he's, he's saying it to us too. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to get a meaningful relationship with the Lord, if you want to hear the Lord in your life, uh, the first thing is you have to be a follower. Now, I promise you, as a pastor, I come across this all the time. We do not like being followers. We have a plan for our lives. We know where we're going. And we want to ask Jesus to just come along and bless us in our plan that we've made up. It just doesn't work that way. What does work is when you say, God, your plan first. You know what's best for my life. You know how I can have a rich, meaningful life. I have to be your servant. I have to lay down my plan. And Jesus saying it much more harshly than that. He's saying, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, which means it's going to be difficult, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with the angels in the, in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. You know, so God is saying to us, we can have a rich, rewarding life and it comes as being a servant and as a follower to him. And so, you know, as we start off this year, I'm encouraging you to set up your own plan with the Lord. But it's obvious that the starting point is that you become a follower of Jesus, which means that you have to give up your own life and say, God, I invite you into my life. I invite you to be my Lord, and I'm going to follow you. I just ask you to be real, to speak to me, to actually guide me, and I choose to yield my life to you. Uh, that's what being a Christian is. That's what being a follower of Jesus is. It's asking Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to live within you, 
to speak to you and to guide you and to direct you and that you will yield to whatever it is that the Lord is asking you to do. And our human nature is, I want to stay in control and whatever God is going to ask me to do is going to be nasty. And it's the exact opposite of what God is saying. God is saying, He wants to be in control and everything He asks you to do, you're going to love it. It might be difficult, yes, but you're going to love it because God designed you. He knows how you tick. He knows what you're going to find exciting. And He wants you to walk in that, but in His ways, in His light, in His truth. And we get that from a regular reading of the Word of God as God shapes us and directs us and challenges us. And we again and again just have to say, God, I'm struggling with this, or this is frustrating for me, or I want to go this way. And God is saying, no, I want you to go this way. And then when we do and we reflect back and we say, wow, God, you've been so good to me. You've been so kind to me. You've been so faithful to me. You've been so loving to me. And it encourages us to carry on. So Lord Jesus, I just pray for any person here today that doesn't know you or maybe has known you but has just got stuck. Lord, that at the beginning of this year, Lord, that you'd speak to them. Lord, that anybody that hasn't invited you into their lives would invite you in right now. And Lord, just give up their own striving and thoughts and allow you to direct and to lead and to love. So Lord, I just pray for every person here today, for their relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus, that you send your Holy Spirit to live within us, to encourage us, and to direct us. In your name, Jesus. Amen.